Please be seated. So imagine with me that several years ago, God gave Robert Fire a prophetic vision. And he gave him a word and he wrote it down for the church. And thus says the Lord to Christ Church Fox Chapel, there will come a time at which a curate will come to serve the church. And the Lord will bring this curate to the church at a time in which two other ordained ministers are moving on and the rector is sick as a dog lying in bed and needs someone to fill in for a sermon. And he will be tall, dark, and handsome, and slightly awkward. And the Lord's will will be done. And the, the word was written down, and the church was praying and waiting expectantly. And I'm here standing before you today fulfilling some of those prophetic words. So, so we come to our scriptures today seeing God fulfilling his promise. And that was a very... Uh, probably inappropriate joke uh, about my fulfilling and I'm not here as anyone's savior, but uh, God promises himself to us and he promises to save and we see him fulfilling his word in Jesus Christ. And we're in the midst of the series. For those of you who are visiting, we're, we're so glad you're here. We're in the midst of a series throughout this summer looking at the miracles of Jesus and how God reveals himself through those miracles what Jesus' miracles reveal to us about God's heart, about his power and authority over all created things, over the demonic, over the healing that people come to him with their needs for. And God has authority, and he exercises that authority in love for his people. And we come to these passages today, and, and a little bit different than what we've been doing. We've been zeroing in and going deep, a deep dive on a specific story and a miracle. Here we're actually going to look at two different passages in Matthew and in Isaiah as a snapshot, as an example of the bigger theme of Scripture that God promises and God fulfills. Here Jesus reveals to us not only that he has authority and power to heal, to perform miracles, but the reveal here is that he is the fulfillment of everything that God has promised to his people. So we see... Here, just one example of the consistent pattern of the whole of scriptures. God promises and then makes good on his promise through Jesus. So if you, you want to turn in your Bibles with me, uh, to First Isaiah 35, page 595 in your pew Bible. And as we turn to Isaiah, Isaiah, uh, God wrote a letter to his people in exile through Isaiah the prophet. The people of Israel were carried off in captivity to Babylon. They're carried off away from their promised land that God had given to them. And they're in captivity. They're a people that, for all intents and purposes, are without hope because they have lost the promise of God, the land that he had given to them. But God writes this letter to them to give them hope and to give them the promise of his coming to restore them. So we look, Isaiah 35, starting in verse 3, at what God says to the people without hope. He says, to strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and he will come to save you. God's promise here is to come and save, to come and restore the people that have been taken into captivity. 
And he goes on to say, what will this look like? What will happen that we might know that God's promise has come, that his salvation has come? The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute shall sing for joy. These are the things that will accompany God's salvation. These are the things that we will know, that, that by which we will know that God has come to save his people. This is a word of hope to the people in exile. Say, look for this. Look for this, because God is coming, and here's how you know it will come. Then we turn over to Matthew 15, page 821. And Jesus comes, and people bring their needs to him, and he heals them. Who comes to him? The lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, the deaf, and many others. Jesus comes and brings healing in exactly the same way that Isaiah said he would, that God said he would through Isaiah, rather. Jesus is fulfilling that promise. He is the one who's showing God, who promised that he would come to save, is here to save, to redeem, to restore, to heal, and to make all things new. He's making good on his promise to us. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise of God. He is the promised one, the Messiah that Israel was expecting to bring about the salvation of God. And more than that, he's the fulfillment of every promise of God. Now we talk about how God made this prediction through Isaiah. And the Old Testament is fulfilled, is, has all these predictions about what the Messiah will be like. But there's a difference, I think, that's really important between a prediction and a promise. Because Jesus doesn't just meet all the parameters of what was predicted of him or what was predicted of the Messiah. It's not just that he checks all the boxes. So yes, he does fulfill those things. He was born in Bethlehem, check. He lived in Nazareth, check. He spent some time in Egypt, check. He suffered and died from our sins, check, check, check. All these things that he did just as was predicted that the Messiah would do. But it's deeper than that. It's not just that he fulfills those predictions. It's that he is the fulfillment of God's promise. And there's a a good distinction there that I think would be worth us exploring. Because a prediction is something that can be impersonal. A prediction is something that I can make about something or someone. I predict that tomorrow this heat wave is going to break. I predict that the Bucks might win 30 games this season. I I predict that whatever I predict, I don't have a stake in, necessarily. I'm not personally invested in the outcome or the result of a prediction. But a promise, a promise is personal. A promise presupposes a relationship. And a promise, where you make a prediction about someone or something, but a promise you make to someone. Promise requires relationship. And it's built on relationship. And it requires me, if I'm making a promise, to have skin in the game. To be personally invested in the outcome. And and I put my word 
my integrity, who I am as a person is on the line when I make a promise to see that promise fulfilled. I've kind of, I've bound myself to it. And I've promised that I will do what needs to be done to see that promise fulfilled or I'm not a man of my word. It's a matter of personal integrity and a matter of who I am as a person promising to someone else. Now, when I got married, just as an illustration of this, when I got married, I stood up before an altar with my bride, before God, before all of our family and friends, and I didn't say, I predict that this marriage is going to last. I'm willing to bet that we've got what it takes to make it for the long haul. And that to death do us part, I think I'm pretty sure we've got it. No, I didn't say that. I promised that I would do that. That I would do everything in my power for better, for worse, for richer, poorer, sickness, and in health. No matter what, that I would do what needed to be done, what was necessary to ensure that we made it till death do, it, do us part. I have skin in the game. I am invested in that. And my life is on the line to fulfill that promise. A promise is always personal. A promise is always relational. A promise requires you to have skin in the game. And the point here is that God promises to us. God promises to himself, to us, that he will come and save us, that he will heal us, that he will restore us and make all things new. He has skin in the game. He binds himself to this promise, to this commitment that he makes to see through to the end that we will be saved that the world will be healed and all things will be made new. The one who cannot be bound by anything, the unlimited God of the universe who created all that is, he binds himself. He limits himself by saying, I am going to do this for you. God promises because he loves you and I. God promises because he desires that relationship with us. God promises because he wants nothing more than to see the world healed and restored and made new and evil conquered. God has skin in the game. He is invested in the fulfillment of this promise and he will see it through to the end. So we have the Bible, the scriptures, the whole of the Bible is a testament to God making good on his word, to God promising and then fulfilling through Jesus Christ what he said he would do. And the Bible is full of the promises of God. One scholar I read said that there are 8,810 promises in the scriptures. As Alex reminded us last week, counting is not scholarship. So we're just going to take that with a grain of salt because other people count a different number. Someone else said 6,000. Someone else said 4,000. Who cares? I'm not going to waste my time counting the promises of God. Neither should you. The point is that there are a lot of times when God promises to do something for his people. And we can know that every single time that he will make good on his word. 
From the very beginning, he promises himself to save us. Even as he's exiling Adam and Eve from the garden after the fall, he promises that he will crush the serpent's head. He promises to Abraham that he will make out of him a great nation, that through him all the families of the earth will be blessed. He promises to David that out of his line will come an everlasting kingship. He promises to the exiles that he will restore them and heal them and through them save the world. He promises all of these things. And the Jews, the people of Israel, are waiting with expectant hope for the promises of God to be filled. And all of those promises, the promise of restoration, of healing, of salvation, of victory, are all embodied in the Messiah. The Messiah is the one who is to come and make good on that word, to make good on those promises that God gives to us. And they trust that God is always good on his word. Psalm 12 tells us that the promises of the Lord are pure and tried and refined as silver. God is going to make good on his word. And Jesus comes to do just that. Jesus is the proof that God is always good for his promise, that he will always come through on what he says he will do. The Gospel of Matthew that we're in is especially interested in showing us this, that this theme of promise and fulfillment is so important to who Jesus is. The Gospel of Matthew uses language over 20 times of, uh, to fulfill the Scripture or as it was written to explain what Jesus did showing how God said something in the Old Testament and Jesus is here fulfilling it through his actions. We see through the whole of the Bible this consistent theme that God binds himself. God limits himself by promising to save, by committing himself to the mission of saving his people, of renewing and restoring the world of making all things new. And we see this promise fulfilled and revealed in Jesus as the lame walk, the blind see, the crippled are made whole, the mute are speaking. God's heart, God's will is being revealed and fulfilled here in Jesus. The Apostle Paul captures this. And a small verse in 2 Corinthians verse 1 Chapter 1, verse 20, where he says, All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. So as we read the Bible, as we read the whole story of God, we read it knowing that it's about Jesus. And Jesus is the culmination of the story, that he is the fulfillment of everything that God has designed and that he has promised. So what does this mean for us here and now, 2,000 years after Jesus fulfilled God's word? It means that we who are in Christ, we who know Jesus and know his saving love for us, the promises of God are for us too, even here and now. That we will see the final fulfillment of God's promises to make all things new when Jesus comes back at the end of all things. We don't see all the fulfillment of the promises now, but even now we have hope that God will make good on his word, that God will do what he says he's going to do.
And even when we don't see it now, even when we can't see quite yet the fulfillment of all these things, when we experience still suffering and death and pain and the consequences of evil, we do that as a people with hope. Hope that God will make good on his word. And God, what God promises, he will do. And Jesus is the proof of that. And we can trust in his goodness. We can trust in his faithfulness. That whether in this life or the next, we will see his promise fulfilled. God makes promises to us because he loves us. God's going to make a promise to Jack this morning because he loves him and he desires to be in relationship with him. And we're all here to be a part of that. God is always faithful and he shows us that in Christ. The reveal of this is that Jesus shows us how God is going to make good on his promise. How God fulfills what he set out to do and how he will fulfill at the end of all things what he purposes for the world. God is faithful. God will do what he says he's going to do. He doesn't promise in what time we will see it. He doesn't promise that every time we pray for healing, we will receive it. But he promises to us that he desires our healing and that we will see it in this life or the next. And so our job is to trust in him. Our job is to trust that he is faithful, that he is good, that he will do what he says he will do. Because every promise of God finds its yes in Jesus Christ. And it's through Jesus that we, as his people, say amen.